0: This is Around the Rim with Lachina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to a new episode of your ESPNW women's basketball podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, Lachina Robinson, joined, as always, by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we are excited to be a part of the major announcement happening for NCAA women's basketball Bye-bye RPI. That's right. The RPI, the Ratings Percentage Index, is going away and we are welcoming in the NET. The NCAA Evaluation Tool for Women's Basketball is the contemporary sorting tool used to measure a team's quality and help evaluate team resumes for the selection and seating in the NCAA tournament. NET ranking is determined by who you played, where you played, how efficiently you played, and the results of... The game. So much to this. So exciting to see what's happening for women's basketball. Most of you probably already know that the men have been using the net for a few years, but now the women are joining the party. And to help us break this all down today, we have two very special guests who have been a part of making this happen. Lynn Holdman, NCAA Vice President for Women's Basketball, and Debbie Richardson, the Senior Associate Commissioner of the A-10 and member of the Division I Women's Basketball Committee and the committee lead on the NET initiative. They are much more um, well-versed on how this all came about and what this means for our sport. So with that, let's welcome in Lynn Holdman and Debbie Richardson. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks, Lynn. you. Glad to be here. Lynn, I will start with you. RPI has been used as a team ranking tool by the committee since 1984. I will not go into how old I was at that time, but let's just say um, I was barely walking around. What is the reason for the move from the RPI to the net beginning with the 2020-21 season?
1: Well, I won't get into how old I was either in 1984, but, um, (laughs) you know, I think think a place to start with the answer to that question is just to... um, just to remind everyone that the division one women's basketball committee on an annual basis, it, it takes a step back and it looks at its criteria that it uses related to selection and and seating, um, the selection of 32 at large teams and then the seating of the 64 teams for the, the, the tournament for the championship field. And as part of its, its review, um, one of the triggers in, in starting to um, look at RPI and whether there should be a move to a women's basketball net was quite frankly that um, a couple of years ago, the men's basketball committee moved from RPI to net. And the sentiments behind that were similar to what we've seen here in women's basketball. It was um, a desire to make sure that we have To the committee's disposal the, the, the best information and data available so that the committee can look and use that as part of that selection and seating in addition to all the work that they do in evaluating teams through watching games, gathering information from conferences through our conference monitoring program, gathering information directly from coaches through the regional advisory committee program. Um, so women's basketball, frankly, on the heels of what our counterparts in men's basketball went through, started doing its own study and examination of what should uh, and what could a women's basketball basketball the trigger um, because there is a sincere desire to make sure that we're doing the best for our game we want to make sure our committee has the best information available to it so that it can select the 32 at large teams and then seed
0: 64 teams for the tournament so we take the RPI back to 1984. But how long has the committee actually been contemplating the move away from the RPI and what have been those steps over the last several years to make this move?
1: Well, the committee um just to um just as a reference point again, it's it's been about a, a I would say about a two-year examination with this past year of which it certainly became a lot more intense and Um, With the committee, um, essentially, also letting our women's basketball community know that it it was looking at this and it was it was going to be studying and examining um, what it what a women's basketball net could and look like. Um, That was a process and a project that was done with um, partners that the NCA had with, with Google and analysts, a similar process to what we saw on the men's basketball side as well. So it was to bring in experts, data experts, essentially to help develop what that, what a net algorithm would look like for women's basketball. Um, Debbie, is there anything you want to add to that?
2: You know, I, I think that's a great answer and it's, it was an extensive process and it was taken very, very seriously.
0: Debbie, I'm curious, and I do want to get to that Google data and also the men's basketball side in a moment, but from a committee standpoint, what will the net deliver for the selection committee that the RPI couldn't?
2: You know, with China. The, the thing about the RPI, if you look at the components, it's based on three factors. The first one is your Division I winning percentage. The second one, which is 50%, is your opponent's winning percentage percentage division 1 and then the third 25% factor of that is the opponent's opponents winning schedule. So if you go to the, put it into two components, one of which, which is an adjusted net efficiency which we'll get to the details and it looks at it more on a head-to-head basis if you will with your and not so much your opponent's opponent and then it also looks at it a little bit more closely in real time At the end of the day, it's still the same three questions. Who did you play? Where did you play? And how did you do? And how did you do always is the win, but also a little bit more detail about the win. You know, What were your offensive efficiencies, your defensive efficiencies, that type of thing? But again, the net allows us to go more real-time and also a little bit more in the head-to-head department as far as opponents are concerned.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit more um, about the adjusted net efficiency, which I've seen that referenced as the performance side and then the team value index, which looks at more of the results side. Debbie, can you expand on those um, a little bit for us? If
2: you look at the adjusted net efficiency, and I would say that this is um, one category where we did have the advantage if you will, of watching the men's net evolve and and in doing that, we were also able to look at the differences in women's basketball statistically and do that over a period of time and so as that came out, the efficiency per se it's the offensive efficiency minus the defensive efficiency. And the offensive efficiency is points over your possessions minus your opponent's points over their possessions. And that's one piece of it. And then the second piece is the strength of the opponent that you're playing and then also the location of the game. Um, You know, we all tend to um, think it's a little bit harder to win on the road. And so very similar there's a higher percentage given to a a road win from that standpoint and a neutral site and then a home site. So those are the three components that are in that adjusted net efficiency. And I will say that as we were going through this entire process, you know, we, we really took a a deep dive into philosophically and we were able to do this um, with Google. And I, I'll have to say that they were very open to the differences in the game with men's basketball and women's basketball, you know, if you if you think about it, we're we're four quarters. Our our shot clocks are different. You know, there there are a lot of things. So as you look at statistics and performance across the board, we were able to really get those things out there as we we look for the algorithm.
0: Yeah, that was one thing that stood out to me. And um, either one of you can take this, but just that whatever data was collected for the men versus women was an indication that there should be a different algorithm. And I hear you say shot clock and things like that. How much information do we have around what those differences truly are in men's versus women's algorithm? At the end of
2: the day, the the drill down on it is, um, I, I'm not sure how specific it can be. It's more of a generalization and if you look at performance across the board, um, I'll take something as simple as the dunk on the men's side. You know, that's a lot higher percentage shot when you have it than it is on the women's side. And, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty on that is is very, very difficult. But the one thing that I would say in evaluating all of the data, if you look at, uh, like we went back 10 years and... I, I need to be very clear here, though. It wasn't a conglomeration of 10 years, but it was 10 individual years compared to what the actual results were, you know, with the NCAA championship and, and who made the field and what the RPIs were and, and all the way across the road. So, again, you can get so detailed that you can can lose almost the concept of it, but at the end of the day, We're looking at the game of basketball, but with two separate statistical bases. If you even go to, um, let's take a team's winning percentage at home, it might be higher on the men's side and it might be lower on the women's side. Or it could be vice versa. You could have a women's team that wins 80% of their games at home and maybe the men's 60. So we just felt like that there had to be a deviation and we had to look at just the women's game in terms of how how the model developed. And it really, the thing is it there wasn't really any one particular turning point on it. It was over a period of time. And I know we've, uh, Lynn and I have both said that it, it was over a long period of time. But very specifically, uh, there was a drill down for about 18 months. And we we went uh, several months where it was weekly calls with Google and you know, what does this piece look like from an efficiency standpoint? Um, you know, we we paid particular attention to scoring margin because that was something that was of great concern for us because philosophically we really didn't want to do something that was not going to be for the good of the game of women's basketball. Mm. And so in looking at that, how, how much does a scoring margin really impact and so the drilled down on that and you know Google was very good to to take our concerns our thoughts and then come back and give us okay this is what it looks like statistically mm-hmm. and of course you know we um, we're in the business of human beings um, and Google coaches the computers um, <laughs> so um, you know I, I think we were all coaching each other and wound up in a, in a very good place but I, I th- would speak on the behalf of Uh, certainly our subcommittee um, as well on this. And um, I can't say enough good things about the work of the NCAA staff as well, but we really felt like there was an attention here as we got into these very minor details
0: for the good of the game. First of all, Amen to Google because as I'm reading through the algorithms and the terminology, and the data of all this, I'm like, this is not my thing either. I just want to tell you what kind of defense your opponent is in. So, um, it, but it really looked like you drilled down to a lot of the specifics here. I, I want to talk more about now how this will affect teams moving forward. Um, and Debbie, I hate to keep picking on you, um, uh, but how important is the quality of opponent and game location in regard to a team's net ranking? If I am a coach, and I'm looking at this moving forward
2: philosophically that really doesn't change from anything that has existed in the game uh, for the last how long do we say the RPI was in was that thirty six years and we won't really talk about that but you know you you always want to have the quality win over the quality of opponent and and that's gonna stay certainly the same um You know, it always goes back, and I I hate to keep bringing up these three questions, but who did you play, where did you play, and how did you do? And a lot of it gets into development of a program. Um, You know, the great programs play great teams. Mm -hmm. And even if you are not in that maybe top 20 right now, the way you're going to get there is to be able to play those teams and and move them and, and eventually be able to beat them. So there's a, you know, when you're starting a program, if you take a job as a new head coach and you're moving into those positions, you know, you're going to climb the ladder and how you do it and develop those games against higher and more quality opponents, you know, it's just going to help you down the road. And, and that has not changed. And I don't see it changing philosophically. Uh, Everybody wants to be the best they can be. And the only way you can do that is to be good competition.
0: Yeah, speaking of philosophically, I mean, that's the scheduling side. But how would this impact maybe how teams play in terms of efficiency, since we're hearing that word efficiency now as, as part of all this style of play? I mean, will teams try to run up the score maybe to improve their net ratings, of their rankings? How do you see it um, impacting that side of the game?
2: You know, John, that's a really good question. And I'm going to put um, – I, I coached when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth Um, but I'm going to put on my old coach's cap here and I, I don't know of a coach or a program anywhere that at the end of the day they're not evaluating their own team efficiencies they may do it in a different way but they're still asking the same questions how many shots did we take how many possessions did we have how many times did we turn it over how many fouls did we have and then what did we allow our teams to do uh, our opponents, rather, you know, the same thing. How many shots did they take? You know, how how well were they shooting the ball? Did we How many turnovers did we force? But I think the real answer to those questions when you drill it down into a specific program for a specific coach is no matter what your style of play, you're going to want to make that game as efficient as you possibly can for your style of game, and you're still going to answer those – same questions how many possessions how many turnovers how many fouls and so I I I think that that will really come down to being the best that you can be with your own philosophy and you know it's still going to trans transpire right out into what those net rankings will be you know some will tell you we pay we play a quicker game and we're going to take more shots and some will tell you you know what and and we've seen teams like this where um, you know, I, I had a, a team in uh, one of the leagues that I monitored, and I, I was watching their games, and I, I, they set 17 screens almost every offense possession they had. And they weren't going to take a shot until, you know, there was under 10 seconds to go. But those teams are efficient within their, own, within their own style of game. And that's what the coaches, I think, will eventually get comfortable with as they're moving forward. Because at the end of the day, you still have to win and you still need to win, and nobody is in this game to lose. So they'll keep winning. They'll keep using their own philosophies, and they'll just make them as efficient as they possibly can, which they really do on a day-to-day basis. If you think about it, China, I'm sure when when you were playing, your coaches used to say, hey, guys, we took 10 shots here, and we hit this, and we turned the ball over three times. It's still applicable. hmm
0: Yeah, it's interesting hearing you say that and because my coach always basically said it's the team that's most consistent in being themselves for longer stretches in the game. That's the winning team. And what yourself looks like depends on your team's identity. You may not be a team that can run up the score. Um, You know, we weren't a great three point shooting team. Uh, Sticking to who you are is what's going to help you to be more efficient ultimately and to be more consistent at the end of the day. I'm just thinking about um, the different criteria that's used by the Division I Women's Basketball Committee when it comes to selection and seeding for the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship, availability of talent, bad losses, common opponents, competitive um, in losses, how competitive you are, your conference record, all those different things, head-to-head, now net is added to that. We find ourselves during the season, especially me as an analyst, going down this list trying to determine the field, right? But Lynn, I'm curious, uh, will we have access to net rankings? Will they be made public during the upcoming season? And where will we be able to find it? As we're all putting together our our bracket like we do every year, and and for me, I haven't been very successful in that.
1: (laughs) Well, and and you did a great job there kind of summarizing, I think to some degree reinforcing for everyone that's listening, is that as we talk about moving away from RPI to to using – a metric, a sorting tool away from RPI to now net the NCI evaluation tool is that it is one of many things that list, that laundry list that you just identified of selection of criteria that the committee does look at and very methodically works through all of those things. So um, this is one component of that. And as we have 10 committee members that are evaluating those teams for the different parts of the selection process, Um, it's the usage of the net in place of RPI as a more contemporary metric available to them is going to help our game. And then as you think about the public, you as uh, a media person, our fans, others, as they also want to play along, if you will, with the committee as it works through the season. Absolutely. Just as RPI was available publicly and net will be available starting in, in the beginning of December, of which those, um, the the results of the net as we move through the season will be available on an ongoing basis to the public.
0: And also, I know that one of the tools that we've had access to in the past years are the team sheets um, and that the committee referenced those during selection. Will there be changes to the organization of those sheets and how they're used moving forward now with the net?
1: Uh, I'll start and then I can throw it to Debbie also as a committee member. Um, That is a, that's a topic that we have slated for the committee at its next meeting to evaluate um, now that they've gotten through this process of adopting NET in place of RPI as one of its, as one of its tools and a sorting tool available to them. The next phase, if you will, is for them to actually look at how that information is available so it has that quick reference for them for all the individual team sheets. And I anticipate at their summer meeting um, that they will uh, evaluate that and make decisions for the upcoming season. Debbie, is there anything you wanted to add to that?
2: i would just add that because we have been studying the NET and we've been through this process, we've also made it – I guess you could say we made an announcement at every committee meeting that – You know, as we go through this, please keep in mind changes Mm -hmm. for the team sheets and think about them now while we're in the middle of this and not, oh, by the way, it's after the fact. So that's been an ongoing thought process, if you will. Um, And I will have to say the committee's been great. Um, They've offered suggestions um, after each discussion we've had in terms of potential changes And maybe I don't look at it so much as a change as I do an alteration. So, for example, if you look at the men's team sheet right now, they have quadrants, um, and we're not quite in the quadrant, but we have categories. Mm -hmm. And so it's really – both are categories. It's just a matter of how many teams you have in there. Mm -hmm. So I I think that those are things that because we were attentive to it as we were moving through the season's – Um, it's, it will be a, um, it'll be a a great conversation and and one that we'll, we'll be ready for, not something that we're starting from scratch on.
0: And just to add on to that question, Debbie, um, you know, we've talked a lot about selection as it pertains to the net and how it will be used by the committee. And again, this is a great educational opportunity for our fans, but how about the net when it comes to seeding and bracketing process? I mean, does it play a part or, or, or equally a a bigger part in that part of it as it does the sele- actual selection?
2: You know, it does, but, again, it's a part. And I'll go back to the uh, criteria that we use to select. When we get to the bracket piece, you know, you, you will see on there, for example, head-to-head outcomes. And when we get to seeding and you're looking at that, you know, that will come up head-to-head, uh, head, who are your common opponents, you know, there are a lot of factors that go into that as you move through those seed lines, but the key in that as a committee, and we try to be very focused on it, is let's be consistent in how we make these decisions, and we may have 10 people in there that, um, you know, I'm just using this as an example, but maybe Common opponents might be more important to me, whereas maybe um, competitive uh, wins and losses might be more important to someone else. But the key for us as a committee is that we don't change our priorities with every team we discuss. And we're very aware of that. And I, I think it's also um you, you would probably, um, be very amused if you walked in the room because it would look like it was wallpapered with, uh, post-its, big post-its along the way. And, you know, we keep, we keep track of that. Uh, Lynn makes sure of that, that we keep track of that. And, and we have it in order so that, that they're compared by each factor. So nothing really stands alone, but it's done in a process and it's done in order. And that is a real, real key.
0: I've participated in the mock selection before, and I can tell you, I left the room, my head was spinning uh, with all of the information in the process. I tip my hat to the selection committee and all that they do, and hopefully the NET um, will be of great assistance to them in that process and obviously be a great tool to enhance the quality of our game. Just fast forward a little bit to the future, Lynn, um, and we're just finishing up here with the last couple questions. Do you envision there being adjustments to the NET ranking algorithm going forward?
1: Um, similar to what I described early in the, in the podcast here, you know, on an annual basis, uh, typically at its summer meeting, the committee takes a step back and evaluates everything that they consider um, those cri- possible criteria for the selection and the seating of the teams. And inherently within that, we will consciously take a step back and at the end of, and during that time, look at how the net worked. Was it, What did it serve its purpose, its intended purpose for the committee in being a contemporary sorting tool? Did it help provide the the committee information that was helpful um, for its process? So I do expect that that will happen on an annual basis.
0: Wow. This is so exciting. Um, I am excited for women's basketball. I am really, really looking forward to um, hearing back from the fans of the game. I think this will be something that will be beneficial all the way around. A lot of work has been obviously put into this. So thank you both, Debbie and Lynn, for your time, for everything that you're doing to grow and enhance our game. And um, the theme, if you're just joining this podcast and you're really late, is Bye Bye RPI. And welcome to the net for the NCAA Evaluation Tool for Women's Basketball. Thank you for your time, ladies. Thank you. We would like to thank our friends at the NCAA, Rick Nixon, Natalie Steger, again to Debbie and to Lynn for their time and for all that they have put into this, but also including Around the Rim in this major announcement what are your thoughts on the net? You can tweet us at Around the Rim Pod. You can email us at around the rim podcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Lachina Robinson. Tarika is at Shino Sports underscore. We hope that you are safe, that you are well, that you are healthy during these times. Thank you for joining us for another podcast. We'll see you next time.